This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Judy Cho and I am board certified in holistic nutrition. I focus on root cause and oftentimes that's using a carnivore cure elimination diet to get to gut healing. All right, guys, I am excited to share this talk with Dr. Jess Petras. For those of you that follow her on Instagram, you already know that her content is so good and she's just very real and she does so much to help the communities. Dr. Petras is a former hospitalist, she is an internal medicine. Doctor, and she is also certified as a Gerson practitioner. She focuses on infections and environmental toxins, and now she focuses more on functional medicine. She helps people that struggle with toxins, heavy metals, mold, parasites, Lyme that cause stress and trauma and other imbalances in the body. We talk about her protocol, the kill, bind, sweat. And to get into all the little nitty gritty details, you'll have to go onto her website. but We share a lot about why you may not be getting better and why you may need to do detox. I hope that this conversation helps you to figure out one other lever that you may be able to pull to get to root cause healing. Let's get right into the interview.、Um, hi, Dr. Jess. I'm very excited to have you on.、Um, I don't know if everyone in the carnivore community necessarily knows you, but you know, the detox and just healing and getting rid of a lot of mold and lime and a lot of other things, you are. I guess the person lately to go to, and your content is really good. So, if you can introduce yourself for the people that are listening and watching. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everyone out there.、Um, my name is Dr. Jessica Petros, and I am a previously board certified internal medicine physician、um, who really tries to now go the functional route and get to the root cause rather than band aid things for people. And I think most of the power lies in education. And you have a protocol called Kill, Bind, Sweat.、Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Does everyone need to do that? Yeah, you know, maybe not everyone needs every step. And it sounds super kind of sexy, like I'm an SM doctor. I think that's why it's sort of caught hold.、Um, people want to know what that is. And so, 
pill just means taking, I prefer herbs to synthetic antibiotics, but herbal antibiotics or herbal antimicrobials, um, waiting a certain given amount of time, depending on the binder, um, and taking a toxin binder, which we can talk about more. There are things people should be familiar with, like zeolite or bentonite clay, um, or even activated charcoal. Most people know what that is. And then finally, sweating out those bound up or mopped up toxins. So we just killed something, we just bound it up, and now we need to get it out of our body. And um, maybe not everyone needs to do it. Um, I really think that even a lot of small issues like brain fog, bloated, stomach issues can really be resolved by um, tapping into the body's natural healing abilities. One of them is sweating things out. And people think of that as cooling themselves off. They don't necessarily think about all the things we can release in our sweat, just like we release things in our bowel movements and our urine. Um, and so sometimes people just need to sweat, especially when they tell me they can't. Um, if you do feel like you're dealing with something deeper, like SIBO or parasites or something like that, you may really benefit from killbine sweat um, under the guidance of a practitioner if you're a newbie. Um, <clears throat> are there other, I guess, um, other than brain fog and then as serious as SIBO and um, other imbalances like that, what what else would you say, oh, you may want to try the kill bind sweat protocol. Absolutely. You know, there's lots of mystery illnesses or things that people go to their doctors for. And I feel like they don't get a satisfying response. There's maybe not an ICD-10 code to bill for that. So doctors say, we don't know what brain fog is. And maybe you have chronic fatigue syndrome. And there's all these mystery illnesses people can't get to the root of with allopathic medicine a lot of times. So that's when they turn to functional medicine and take things into their own hands. And for those people too, killbind sweat might be an answer. And that's because it's fairly affordable for everyone. Um, if you don't have a sauna, that's okay. You can work out and sweat if you are have the privilege of moving your body. Um, and then people can even take hot baths or Epsom salt baths to sweat. So this is a fairly affordable and reasonable, practical thing for most people to be able to do. And I think that if you have something doctors can't figure out, if you just, even depression and anxiety can be caused by toxin overload. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times getting... Uh, I believe, honestly, most things that people deal with that are chronic preventable diseases are caused by a toxin overload and a poisoning of the body. So if sweating is one of those ways to release toxins, you can see how it might be a root cause answer for many issues. Sure. And then in your protocol, if someone were to go on your site or your program, does it explain like what, like how long you have to kill, how long you have to bind and what kind of binders and then how long you have to sweat? Great questions. Yeah, absolutely. That's really the nitty gritty of what people want to know. How do I do this thing? Right. Um, and so, yeah, if people were to join my wellness app, I, it's hard for me to give very specific information for people online. Obviously our hands are kind of tied that way. I wish I could help everyone without the, the risk of liability, but you know, if you join wellness plus my subscription online app, I do handhold a little bit more. And, you know, there's times where I have webinars, people would ask me specific questions. I have root cause quickies on one on killbind sweat. I have a whole course on killbind sweat. And I do go into contraindications, who can do it, who can't, and how long. For example, if someone has palpitations and cardiac issues and really getting sweaty or hot makes their heart tack away, they might have different you know, restrictions on how long I would want them to sweat, you know, 
it's different than someone who might be able to get in the sauna and sweat within 10 minutes. So absolutely, I can't standardize it for everyone. But in general, um, I tell people to do this, you know, two to four times per week, make sure you replace your electrolytes and hydrate well afterwards. Um, And make sure that you have a little bit of a know-how about the herbal antimicrobial and the binder and make sure you're taking a quality binder. Um, that's really important. And for most people, this is safe to do and continue. Um, the contraindications are things like breast implants mm-hmm. and having POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome. But in general, most people can go at this. If you can sweat and work out, you can do this protocol. There are some people that just cannot sweat. So they can work out for the longest time and they can't sweat. Do you know why for some people they're just um, have an inability to sweat? If this is you guys, I know that like in middle school, you thought this was the coolest thing. You're like, I don't sweat. I just listen. So I used to be so jealous because I'm a sweaty beast. So yes, there is a reason for this, Judy. And it's, um, I used to think that it was stagnant lymph and that still is a part of it. So if you guys notice, you know, lumps and bumps under the skin, some cellulite, some dimpled skin, that things don't drain well, um, that is really important part of getting the lymph moving is sweating. The other real main underlying problem that's even more so than a stagnant lymph is mitochondrial dysfunction, which is more commonplace than what unfortunately we would expect. Um, The mitochondria make energy or ATP and ATP energy equals heat. So, right. So if you can't sweat in a sauna, you feel maybe heavy brain foggy. A lot of times you may even have some pins and needles sensations on your arms and legs. This is due to mitochondrial dysfunction. And the good news about that is with some TLC, we usually can turn this around for people and we can get you sweating again. That's interesting. I had a client that was really hypothyroid, took some iodine that helped a little bit. And she noticed she could sweat a little better. I think just the uh, functioning of the thyroid it makes sense because that affects metabolism. You know, one thing I saw of your, um, I think you had a talk recently and you mentioned that liver imbalances can be the um, root cause of possible thyroid and especially hormone imbalances. Can you talk a little bit about how um, the intoxication of, you know, the liver can cause illness? 100%. This is something I feel like most practitioners miss because we don't have a really great liver function test. Think about it. It's changed in like 30 to 50 years, this blood work. How sensitive is it? And in my practice, I've come to find it's not really that sensitive. Almost 70 to 80% of the liver has to be damaged before you see it in the ALT or AST, the aminotransferases. Even ultrasound can sometimes catch more than that. So going back to the thyroid, um, gosh, one in three women have hypothyroid. Now it's like an epidemic. And I liken this to a stool with four legs. One leg is the thyroid. One leg is the sex hormones. One leg is the adrenals. And one leg is the liver and the mitochondria are in there too, because they're in every cell in these organs, basically. So if one leg is unscrewed, then the whole stool will be a bit unsteady. And so we can work on screwing each leg in and the whole stool is a bit more steady. And the the reason I say these four are on axis is because, you know, if you think about the liver, it's really important to convert free T4 over to free T3, the active thyroid hormone. It's also our main metabolizer. And about one in three people have a stagnant liver pathway that doesn't show up on blood work. Um, some of the questions I ask for people, how do you deal with coffee, caffeine? How do you deal with alcohol? Can you fast? 
fast or do you get hangry and irritable and lightheaded? All these things indicate your liver needs a little bit of love here. The liver in Chinese medicine, the meridians are also attached to the sinus cavities and eyes, as well as the reproductive organs. And you have to think about the liver makes the cholesterol, which then turn into our sex steroid hormones. And so if the liver is having some toxin overload or a stagnation, it's going to have trouble in regulating those pathways that it's responsible for. This is very common. We see this in how high fructose corn syrup and mercury can cause disease and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. That is a stagnant liver pathway. So when people tell me you have a liver, you can detox. It's just not true. That's what I want people to know. It's very common. So if you have hormonal issues, you have PMS, you're having a horrible time every single month. If you guys can't fast, you have some thyroid issues, brain fog issues. You may even feel wired, but tired. That's some issues with that axis or the stool with four legs that need some help. That's really interesting. Um, with, um, the Chinese medicine part you were talking about, I just read recently that you know, a lot of people think that we wake up in the middle of the night because we're um, hypoglycemic and then the cortisol response. But I heard it's also the exact time that the liver is detoxing. And so you may not be detoxing as well. And that's why um, your liver needs that added support. And then that's another reason that cortisol can kick in and then it makes you wake up. But it's interesting because so many people wake up between like the two and four hour in the morning. And that's when the liver is supposed to be detoxing. Um, yes when we talk about this liver detox and how it affects the hormones and the thyroid for some people clearing up their diet or cleaning up their diet from a lot of processed foods helps. Do you think that's adequate enough? And I know it's going to be individualized, but what are your thoughts with that? I've seen people do amazing things with food. Okay. Um, and you know, most of that I saw when I trained in Gerson therapy mm-hmm. and you would see people who had, you know, the worst diet, right? Like truck driver diet. And (laughs) they would turn on a dime and do a 180 and completely go, let's say organic vegan for two months. And I would see amazing things. I would see breast tumors shrink. You could measure it each time they were in the clinic with a, with, with, with a, you know, measuring tape. It's by the naked eye, you know, I've seen people's prostate specific antigen completely turn around um, based on diet alone, but diet, I feel like can only take us so far, uh, especially dependent on how chronically ill one is, you know, with cancer, we need probably a little bit more support with autoimmunity. We likely need a little bit more support. If someone has something like mold illness or chronic Lyme, which often leads to autoimmunity and or cancer, then we have to, you know, a blueberry is not going to pull out a spirochete, a mold spore is not going to go away with psyllium husk probably. So although a diet keeps you on the straight and narrow and it makes your detox journey a little less painful, and a lot of times it can heal for the patient population I deal with, it often needs to be a little bit more. The diet is the first step. And I agree with that. So I use um, a meat only diet as an elimination diet to no longer have food on the table as culprits of people's illnesses. But then there's a population of people that I work with that are just still not getting better. And there was this kind of dogma in the space for a while where you don't need supplements. Food is medicine, right? And food can be medicine to a certain extent. But if you have illness for a while, I'm fully on the same page with you. You need other things to um, support the body, especially how are you going to get rid of mold? How are you going to get rid of Lyme and its co-infections? Is there a diet that when people are doing your kill, bind, sweat that you do sort of recommend? Hey, 
Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. You know, it's really important to be able to build back electrolytes and minerals in the body. And so I need a really mineral rich food. I think bone broth is something great to supplement with. If you're doing killbine sweat, man, that's awesome because most people deal with issues that come from impaired gut health. Mm -hmm. And so bone broth is great. It's, it's providing raw amino acids for people. It's providing um, building blocks of collagen and to repair the gut. And so I really love to just have something simple and digestible for people like that. Cause it, this is a mini detox. It right. is. And some people will feel immediately better, like snap snaps all over the place. And some people will struggle and feel more tired, more fatigued, more brain foggy afterwards, because although they're sweating, they're not releasing as much as they could be because their body's still holding on to those toxicities. So sometimes those people need a little bit more help. I honestly feel like um, really warm nourishing foods, eating with the seasons is really important. Eating local. So you're avoiding preservatives is, um, that's what preservatives are for to ship things across the country. So they don't spoil, but when you eat local, you're eating for your environment, you're eating, um, for the seasons and you're supporting local farms. And so that's really, um, I love that you do more of a meat-based diet for people. I've been leaning that way more, more myself as well lately. Um, and have actually been considering doing a trial of carnivore for myself. So, okay. Yeah. I'll have to share some, um, tips. Um, especially if you're going to go fully meat, I feel like meat-based and meat only there's like smaller differences. The biggest thing I think are the electrolytes. A lot of people have a hard time holding on to the minerals just because we retain less water when we go zero carbs. So that would be ah, really interesting. Yeah. There's like point. a, yeah, there's a little kicker. So some people that do zero carb, they don't feel well, but I really think it's because they need extra electrolytes not to fill the imbalances. But if you just add some fruit or some sugars, you may mask the imbalance, but that doesn't mean the imbalance isn't there anymore. And so it's quite interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about dietary. So if we have a imbalanced liver and then we were to, whether it's drinking alcohol, too much fructose for high fructose corn syrup or for fatty liver, even if we consume too many organ meats, which is super high in nutrition, but some of the fat soluble vitamins are stored in our liver. Can that be a tax on an already burdened liver? Interesting. You know, possibly. Um, I've never seen anyone get like a a vitamin A overload from eating a a whole foods diet or eating too much meat. I think the body has a way to regulate things. But I have seen people, you know, if they, let's say they do keto and they have too much fat, you know, and they have a taxed liver that has to break down lipids. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and meat too, you know, you're breaking down a lot to, to the raw amino acid forms, right? So, you know, I would say for most people, I would advise not going to an extreme diet right away when you're jumping in into a detox. This is something you might want to slide into after a couple of weeks of sort of opening yourself up with maybe detox baths, maybe sweating, uh, maybe just regular movement in the sun in the mornings, uh, little things 
things like this, castor oil packs, these things can be um, kind of open the body up in preparation for jumping into a more of a detox diet like that. And so if you really think your liver is a problem, maybe you open it up a little bit. You work on some enemas, some castor oil packs, some baths, see how you do and trend towards that diet instead of going like all or nothing all at once. (laughs) Right. Which so many people do whenever they start a new diet, they're like, I'm going to go all in. And then Yeah, no, I I fully (laughs) agree with that. Do you think there's a proper way or a order of importance in terms of detoxing the parasites? Let's say you have parasites, mold, mineral imbalance, um, heavy metals. Is there a sequential order that you think we should be, I guess, binding um, or killing a certain toxin? You know, a lot of the studies are very interesting. They show very um, symbiotic relationship with a lot of these microbes. And then, you know, you look at train theory coming out, which say, don't blame the microbes. It's the train and your body's poison. And these things are the great decomposers that are, are there because you have a certain toxicity that's attracting them there to, to digest. So there's all these different hypotheses and theories going out around right now, and everyone has an opinion. Let's just be real. So um, if you look at the science, um, you see that mold spores can hold things. You see that parasites play off of retroviruses. The bi- retroviruses and viruses can live inside of parasites, and they can be activated and hard to get rid of because of those that relationship between the two. Um, you know, if you have mold, it spins the immune system in one direction, so you're more susceptible for pa- to parasites as well. So there's this big relationship with everything. In my opinion, I don't understand how you go after one thing and not the other. I don't understand how people do that. Um, pretty much because parasites also hold heavy metals. You're, when you're pulling parasites, you're pulling metals. You are. The one lives inside the other. We've seen fish cestodes be able to hold twice the amount of heavy metals that their bodies should be able to hold because they have parasites which hold them for them. So it's in the, it's in the animal studies. Um, Again, this is just my opinion, but I feel if you have the right supplements, you have the right science, which knows how to inactivate heavy metals and there's the difference between inorganic and organic heavy metals and what's good for the body and what isn't, then you're able to inactivate certain things through biochemical reactions, which lets the body release it in a natural way. And um, if you're going to go after parasites, you're probably going to get mold spores. You're probably going to get viruses as well. So if you're going to open, I think the best thing is to open drainage pathways. Mm. If I can work with the body naturally, I don't have to worry about which one to pull out first. If I can open your liver, I can open your bowels. I can turn your mitochondria back on your body's got it because there, you can't beat a body in homeostasis. You can't work against it, open it up and work with it. And then I don't have to kill as much because the body's already balanced in normalcy. And it works like a machine when that happens. I love that. So you're saying basically, essentially, if you strengthen the body, then there's not as much concern over which one should I attack first. And, and I agree with that a lot because um, a lot of the mold protocols that we'll look after, or even like in cell core, they have the foundation one, they're all similar nutrients. And so, and if you even do some of the heavy metals, it'll be certain binders as well. And so it's just interesting that you're right. It's just getting the lymph and the detox pathways healthier. And then once they're healthier, they'll just do it. And, I do think it's funny that people think, well, if we use this one thing, it will only grab these certain things and it's unrealistic. It's funny. How can we as humans possibly know every biochemical reaction that happens inside the body when we put something in there? We cannot. All we know, all I know to do is to avoid 
man-made corporate toxins sure. that shouldn't be on this planet that our body evolutionary wise is not able to recognize and, and get rid of. There's um, some thoughts that, you know, a lot of people use stool tests and um, they're, they say that they test for protozoas and parasites and worms. And then there's some new thoughts where they say those tests aren't accurate in finding the parasites and that everyone should be doing a parasite cleanse. Can you share a little bit about, do, does everyone have parasites in them and should we all be doing some type of cleanse? You know, Dr. J. Davidson and Dr. Todd Watts say things like, if you have a pulse, you have a parasite. Um, I do think our indigenous ancestors knew to do, to do parasite cleanses or eat, you know, anti-parasitic herbs like wormwood or black walnut hole, you know, once or twice per year, it was just in their ceremonies and rituals. And now we're even more bombarded with toxic toxicities and, you know, petroleum plastics, pesticides that would attract said parasites and, you know, great decomposers. So I do think it is wise for people to do it once or twice per year prophylactically, even if you feel well, you don't want to overdo it because it is an ecosystem. These things should be there in certain amounts, but if you're overrun with parasitic symptoms, there's a, there's a balance that needs to be found here. And honestly, it's not just a parasite cleanse. If you're taking binders, you're taking herbs, it's a bacterial cleanse as well. It's, um, you know, binders help mold as well. So you're really just doing a detox and naturally helping the drainage pathways open up. I will give everyone a disclaimer by saying, when people say, should I do a parasite cleanse? Should everyone do it? Well, it depends on the parasite cleanse. It's always a risk versus benefit relationship. If you're talking about, you know, paraquintol or, you know, an over a par, an anti-parasitic prescription, I may say no to that. Sure. For everyone. There's thoughts about doing these protocols around the moon because one, we are 60% water. So it kind of makes sense how the full moon will have different risings in our, uh, the waters. And, but more than that, also that it affects melatonin and serotonin. Can you talk a little bit about why the, I guess sometimes it's important to do it around the full moon? Absolutely. So um, I like to tell everyone, I know this sounds really crazy and like bro <laughs> science because people are like, what is a doctor talking about full moons for? First of all, um, there's a lot of full moon rituals around the world. It is very inherent in people's traditions and religion across the world for good reason. And just scientifically speaking, when there's a big bright full moon, you may have noticed if you don't have an eye mask or blackout curtains, you have a little more trouble sleeping. And that's just because it's brighter out. So naturally your body produces less melatonin and more serotonin. Parasites in general, nocturnal, they feed at night and they definitely move around or more mobile at night when they wake up and serotonin kind of acts as parasite party food. So they, they're, they're more active during full moons for that reason. Um, so people will naturally, you see emergency departments that are more busy. Most nurses right. tell you that, um, that's for one reason you'll see a lot of, um, anxiety, insomnia that is worse around full moons for people. And we think this might be the case, especially if there's things like TMJ or teeth grinding going on. So stress on the body. So you clench. Is there a relationship with EMFs and mold and parasites? Um, one thing I've heard is that, um, you know, mold will not really proliferate unless they're in their mycotoxins and they're just, you know, scared and they're trying to protect themselves and that the EMFs can actually um, cause these mycotoxins to proliferate because um, they feel like they're being attacked. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we don't have a lot of science on this. This was a scientific study quoted out of the Clean Heart Institute that they had run. Um, I can't I think it was with another university or institute as well. And this is the results that they saw when this was placed near a Wi-Fi router. 
Um, so it's just interesting. It makes sense to me that certain energetic frequencies could talk to microbes or pathogens. That makes sense to me. Um, we've also the, I won't say it. We have science for mold. We do have science for bacteria in EMF. And the one study we have for that is there was a study done and feel free to Google this guys and look it up. I can't remember what journal, but it was a study in which they placed 2.5 gigahertz router next to a Petri dish with Listeria and E. coli. Mm -hmm. And what we saw was that they were able to grow out of the realms of the Petri dish when placed near the abnormal frequencies. So it's just weird that this certain frequency was chosen um, and it's weird that you see such reactions from microbes. Um, and I don't doubt the mold growth, but we have, we live in a world of, um, medicine where most practitioners don't even believe that mold can cause disease. No. And, and they definitely wouldn't believe that mold could be a problem around a different frequency. So this is yet to be studied in America. So would you recommend no one use the EMF earphones or, or the pods? I will never buy them. And I understand how awesome and convenient they are for people. I mean, to not have wires is really cool, but I just think about the concept. You know, the concept is you've got these pods in and there's a frequency bouncing back and forth between them, talking to them and talking to your phone. And it just doesn't sound, it just doesn't sound okay to me at all. Um, Especially now that I've talked to the founder of I am Sam, who used to be in the telecom world and was very successful. And then she found out how they were testing these phones and frequencies um, was through a big plastic dummy head called I am Sam or Sam. And she created the group. I am not Sam. So it had, you know, so many milliliters plastic thickness of the head. It's filled with fluid. It's nothing like a human brain. It's based on a, a a male build of a 200 pound male. This is how they test abnormal frequencies and phone Wi-Fi for children. So I obviously don't think it's safely tested to begin with and then add all this stuff onto it. Um, yeah, I think people need to, I think that this shouldn't be hidden from people. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, I think recently there's a group of people that sued the FCC on the regulation saying, how can you say that EMFs are safe with older, um, I, I think older, you know, like phones and stuff that we use that are not the same. And so now, and they won. So now they have to actually do the testing to get um, some level of, you know, are mm-hmm. these EMFs safe? I have a client that um, I had to send all her paperwork through the mail because she cannot be near any EMFs. I think she has chronic inflammatory response syndrome, but mm. she is unwell and she's in the, her twenties, but acts menopausal and she probably would do really well with kill bind sweat, but the EMFs just uh, heighten all her illnesses when she is near a computer, a Wi-Fi. It's really, really unfortunate. And it's just sad that people say, oh, everything affects us. And, um, some people, oh, some, one of my friends child, whenever he gets in a Tesla, you know, because of the whole screen, he has headaches and just feels really unwell. And so sad. I mean, honestly, these people, you should tell them about green bank, West Virginia. Okay. Um, I'm from West Virginia, so I know about it. It's about 40, 20 to 40 miles. I can't remember the exact distance now. I think more close to 40 mile radius um, of a radio free zone. So they have a police force that actually polices the area for cell phones because they have a giant satellite there. You could fit a couple 
football stadiums in there and it's trying to talk to space. It's literally all the time. So because of the satellite there, they're not allowed to have any sort of nothing, no cell phones, no radio, nothing. So um, there's been a, a few, I think 40 EMF sensitive patients move there to heal. Wow. That is interesting. I'll definitely have to look that up. Do you think that mold and parasites have anything to do with MCAS and histamines? I mean, so many people will do an elimination diet and they try to eat more um, and then they'll try to add back foods and then they'll say, now I have all these histamines or I have a food sensitivity. And I wonder if as they were cleaning up, the body was kind of shaken up and, you know, maybe they were ready to detox, but now introducing some of the foods that are less than ideal, it's coming back. Um, some thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, mold is the biggest culprit I've seen for MCAS or mast cell activation syndrome and histamine issues. Like it definitely will cause rashes, histamine problems, bloating, uh, brain fog, PMS, all that kind of stuff that can be histamine like. Um, I've also seen parasites do it, which makes sense as well. They tend to lean toward a TH2 dominance in the immune system, which you got to think allergies, eczema, rashes in general, just really allergic skin. Um, and so I definitely see parasites cause a lot of that eczema rash issue. I see mold do it, especially if someone is still living in a water damaged home. And often people, don't think about gram negative bacteria, which also grows in a water damaged house. We just think about mold and those bacteria release endotoxins, which absolutely can burrow into the skin and cause issues as well. So don't think it's in your body. It's usually something you're exposed to. And I will like to tell people, especially if you're reacting to healthy food or food you shouldn't be reacting to, that's literally not that you're allergic to the food. It's that your body is out of normalcy. It's out of homeostasis and it's recognizing something as a foe that shouldn't be a foe. Let me ask you a little bit about the water damage building. So just recently been stumbling a lot more into water damage buildings and mycotoxins and Lyme. Um, and the thought is that more than 50% of the buildings are damaged. And so for some of my clients that have chronic inflammatory response syndrome or just chronic inflammation, they feel like they have this death sentence, right? Where, well, now I can't get into any buildings. Um, I I've been into several homes and I've gotten the ERMI test for mold and, and all of them are high. So, you know, what is someone to do? I mean, do we always have to have a, be in a building that's, you know, barely has any mold. I mean, what are your thoughts with people that are highly mold sensitive, but then most of our buildings have some amounts of mold. Yeah, it really is in how they're building modern day buildings. That's part of the problem. And then you have the government that funds a lot of buildings and then doesn't keep upkeep on things like schools and all that stuff. And schools are a big culprit, unfortunately. So for those people who are genetically sensitive um, to sick building syndrome, it's just my heart goes out to you. I don't have a good answer, but I do think it's coming soon that we're going to start building houses differently because this is coming to light so quickly. Um, if you are playing in the, in the world of modern building, you may continue to have problems, but I want to just let you know, there are other options out there, which are off the beaten path, things like yurts where there's a wind flow through it, you know, things like, um, some of the more eco homes would be great for you guys, because are you reacting to water damage? Are you reacting to VOCs in the new home as well, which you're very sensitive to because you don't detox well. Uh, so, you know, there's other things like, um, I really love prefabs, you know, eco or green prefabs that are, um, the houses are built under a warehouse away from the elements and they're not, they're not more expensive. 
And so people can really take control by thinking about things like that. Like I was on a podcast exposing mold last night and they started talking, the, the guy interviewing me was one of those people. And he said, you know, when I realized it was in all the homes, I didn't know what to do until I got better. I went and lived in a camper in my backyard. And so I lived in my car until I felt better. And, you know, when I asked him how hard was that, he said it was really easy and I saw how much better I could feel. And so if you're one of those people, then think about off the, off the path, off the beaten road options, because they are out there and they're really, they're better. They're the way I think modern housing needs to go. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it makes sense to really just clean up the environment. Um, and it's, and it's not an easy thing. Um, the other day I was working at the library, there was a water leak in the men's bathroom. They used a, literally they used a fan to dry it off and I see the stain and they did nothing else. And I go there every day and I'm just like, I wonder how much mold is growing right now. Um, (laughs) isn't it crazy? Yeah, I, I absolutely like it's criminal. It's criminal. Yeah. And I see people work right next to the bathroom because there's tables and I'm just like, no, don't be working there because you're probably inhaling it so much more. And it's just unfortunate. <sighs> Do you have any tips for people that are, you know, wanting to get into this kill bind sweat? Are there certain people that are not um, maybe, you know, like the people that have chronic inflammation that are highly sensitive to mold? Should they first strengthen the body first? I mean, what are your thoughts some basic tips for people to get started and then where can they find your um, protocol again? Yeah. You know, kill by sweat is probably a one and a half to two second level treatment for people. So I'm glad you asked that. So we can clarify. I, you know, if you're really sensitive and you react to like everything, like you can hardly drink water without getting bloated, then there might be something, some steps and precautionary things you want to do to begin so that you make it easier on yourself. Because I feel like the reason people quit the detoxes is because they feel worse at first because someone hasn't worked with their body properly. And so, you know, and a lot of people have like medical and health PTSD where they don't want to start anything new because they're so afraid of feeling poorly. So if that sounds like you, then I would really start gently with myself. I would add like one thing per day and not go overboard. Maybe do a castor oil pack in the morning or at night because it puts you in parasympathetic mode. Maybe do an hour breath work class on YouTube. Um, maybe the next day you do a slightly warm Epsom salt bath and drink some ginger tea. Um, you know, just little things like that to kind of temperature check your body to see how it reacts to opening drainage pathways. And it's a very, it's like a little self care package for yourself too, because most of these things should feel nice that you're showing your body attention and really getting into a state of rest and digest and peacefulness before you attempt to start going killing and binding and sweating. Um, and really maybe, you know, Epsom salt baths, the hot baths will help you know how you're going to feel when you sweat before you get in a sauna. And then maybe before you do KBS, you take a binder and you sweat that day before you start killing. And then the next week, maybe you attempt to take maybe, you know, a parasite cleanse or oil of oregano or biocidin or whatever your flavor is. Um, and you wait and then you take a binder, really the fulvics and humic acids, mm-hmm. and then you get in a sauna or a hot bath or you work out and you ease your way into it. So for most people, if you're very sensitive, give yourself at least two weeks to a month before you jump into a killing protocol. Um, that way you won't feel like you have the flu, which sucks. Yeah. Right, right. Your thoughts on cholestyramine. And um, I think Wellcol is the other one. There are some doctors that say, well, those are just really potent and we'll just get right to it. So we don't need to do the more natural binders. What are your thoughts with those? 
Yeah. You know, um, I do think I don't use polystyramine or well call. I have people request to to use them before under my care and I've done that, Mm -hmm. but I'm very careful with people who are on thyroid medication or on another medication or have a a very um, specific diet or need a lot of nutrition because it can bind up nutrition. It can bind up other medications. So I'm very careful with that one. And it can cause a lot of bloating for people who have digestive issues. Um, It's great for things like okra toxin A, which is a certain mycotoxin. It's great for endotoxins, but I don't think it picks up a lot of the other mycotoxins that I wish it would. Um, And fulvic and humics alone aren't great at picking everything up, but when they're cleaved to cause diabasic fulvics and humics and increased microporicity and binding sites, I have noticed that they have increased efficacy. Um, And I like binders that go out of the gut and are able to cross into the blood brain barrier or other parts of the body so we can bind things up besides toxins in the gut only, which is what charcoal does. It it only stays in the gut. So, yeah. So you can find a lot on Instagram that's free. You can also go to drjessmd.com, drjessmd.com. And I have a whole how-to page there for you guys, how to kill, bind, sweat, and even questions that they, people submitted that I kind of answer in FAQ. Okay. And then uh, where else can people find you? So you have your protocol, your program, um, Instagram. Is there, do you have a newsletter? Yeah. You know, I have an email list. We have a newsletter. And then I also really regularly pop in and, vibe out with people in app.drjessmd.com and that's wellness plus. So I have my free things, which are Instagram, social media, and my website, which is a lot of free blogs on there. And then if you guys want more high level attention, I have my subscription app. So there's a hierarchy of things here. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for this. I think it's really helpful to hear that detox is not just, you have to write Uh, find the right medicine or the right supplement, but it's also strengthening the body and then go based on your individual needs. I think that is really important. I think a lot of times in medicine or care, we hear just, here's the one app. If you have mold, you do this. If you have, you know, parasites, you do this. And I see clients that it's not that simple or one answer at all. And so I love what you're saying. I think it's so important and that you're not even prescribing one specific thing. You're saying, no, just kill, bind, sweat, but you may have to take it slower and certain things. And you're not saying for kill, use these things. And and I love that it's just... Yeah, it's really it's good. It's what you can handle, what works for you. You do not, not every parasite cleanse works for everyone. Not biocidin doesn't always work for everyone. Some people right. are allergic to walnuts and they can't have black walnut hole. You know, it's very, you guys are very individual and you should be treated as such. Well, thank you. That's a wonderful message. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'll put all the information in the show notes and I'm sure this will help so many people. Thank you, Judy. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Okay, guys, I hope that this interview was helpful. I hope that it's eye-opening in terms of EMFs and and parasites and other things that can be causing imbalances. Make sure to check out the Kill Bind Sweat Protocol. She has an easy page to explain a little bit more details as to what that fully is and then how you can even get started. Dr. Jess has a wealth of information. Make sure to check out her Instagram page. She has so much free information and it's very, very helpful. And the biggest thing is she's just very real, very honest, and just out there to help other people. I hope that this interview provides you another lever to get to root cause healing. We must demand more from our practitioners and the healthcare system that being sick is just not a lifelong illness. We can always find ways to get better. Okay, guys, make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you guys later. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.